Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. Okay, U-Turn friends, you are about to get a wild energy boost. I am on the line with one of my absolute favorite humans in my space of friends. She is just so alive, so on fire with what she's doing, and it's Keisha Getmiri. She is the host of the Empower Her podcast. If you haven't listened, you absolutely have to. She's a speaker. She's an event host. She has a huge event coming up with hundreds of people all over the world flying in that I want to talk to her about. And she's a life enthusiast, you know, she's one of those people in business that makes business look less serious and more fun. And she's having so much success while she does it and has built a really committed community. So for those of you out there that are thinking about starting a business, already have a business, or maybe you're just building community, um, this is going to be your episode today. I'm going to ask her so many questions about it. Keisha, thank you so much for being here. Ashley, I absolutely adore you. I'm so freaking excited to just talk about all the things in Jam, but thank you for having me. This is going to be great. I can't I, wait. I feel like you're one of those people that like somebody would watch and say like, oh man, she just thinks of it and it happens. <laughs> so what what do you think is your secret when you really look at your success, when you really look at this devoted community you've built? Um, mm-hmm. What do you think has deeply been true that has created this for you? So I think a lot of it started with, you know, many people listening into this can connect with that feeling of you've done the thing that makes sense. Like on paper, you look around and you're like, crap, this isn't actually what I want. And I've been willing to take very quick action, um, detaching from the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really powerful because often we create this narrative that it's like, if I try something and it doesn't work out, then that wasn't successful. But for me, I'm like, if I'm willing to try something and it doesn't work out, that still gives me feedback. And that feedback is really helpful for me to make the next decision. So I've done a lot of things career-wise and as an entrepreneur that have gotten me to this point, but it's always like listening to that intuitive part of me and creating the space, even if it's just small space, like walking around with my headphones in, but no music or no podcast on to say like, if you could be doing anything one year from now, what would that be? And it's how you're showing up now contributing to that future version of you or not, because we're always having this relationship with us now and us one year from now, two years from now, five years from now. But that one year gap, it creates this sense of urgency for me to want to take action and including work through. And, you know, you and I have talked about this of like work through those question seasons and the resistance that you feel in that to get to wherever happens to be next. But I just don't make things mean that I'm not capable or I'm not worthy or I'm failing if it doesn't go the way that I think that it should, because I trust that it's all serving me. So that's led to this career where I've created memberships and courses and events and speaking and done all of these things that people can look at. And it's like, oh, action, action, action. But really in the action is also a real clarity that comes from creating that space and asking myself the tough questions, knowing that sometimes making a decision that other people don't understand or maybe don't support isn't my job to worry about. Instead, it's me showing up as the most fully expressed version of me because I believe that also gives other people the permission to do the same in their life, right? Mm. 
Okay. So I know a lot of your success started with having a podcast. Like that's been huge for you. Yeah. Can you take me into the shoes of like when you got the inkling to do it versus when you actually did it? And when did you start to realize like, wow, this thing is taking off? Yeah. So I went to an event mm-hmm. and I had this very just like intuitive feeling like I need to go physically get in the room with a bunch of women that look more like the direction of where I'm headed because I had this business at the time that was really successful by other people's standards and even by a prior version of me standards where I got to speak to thousands of women. It was in network marketing and I was making great money and I got all these external accolades, but it just really did not feel aligned, but I didn't know what was next. So my idea was physically get around energy and people that have a lot of different ideas. And if I, you know, listen to a lot of these different ideas and hear what other people are doing, then I can trust my own intuition that I'll be able to drop into like what might be the next best step for me. But I just needed to be around that energy. So I went to this event and I was sitting there and there was a panel of four women that were podcasters. And it was like intuitively very visceral feeling of, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And sometimes if things aren't being represented the way you think it should, I believe you're supposed to be the representation, especially if it's bugging you. And at the time that was the end of 2018. And there were so many amazing podcasts, but I felt as if a lot of the hosts were five steps ahead of me career wise. So they were giving advice in hindsight, like back when I was in your shoes, this is how I handled this in my marriage and my career and my business. And I really wanted the positioning. Like we were girlfriends chatting. Like I wanted someone that was like, I have no idea what the F I'm doing. And I'm ugly crying on my bathroom floor. And I feel so confused. Like I wanted that girlfriend connection. So I was like, what if I just created that? Mm-hmm. And so the, the whole premise of my show empower her is it's, come with me. Let's figure out life together rather than look at me. I've got this all figured out. Yeah. So I didn't take the positioning of being an expert by any means. And although that's necessary for a lot of people to take that role, it just didn't feel aligned for me. I was like, I just want to be like a girlfriend that we're just chatting with. And I bring people on my show and I ask questions because I've always been very curious since I was a little girl and loved talking to people. And what happened right away is you know, I didn't feel a lot of this, what often people refer to as like imposter syndrome, because I wasn't faking it. I wasn't trying to be anything. I wasn't trying to like have my, like everything all together. And I think people really connected with how real it was. And I was really unapologetic about, you know, creating this community and saying, this is what we're all about. If you can get behind this message of come with me rather than look at me, share this with your girlfriends. And organically, it grew really quickly to the point that now at the time we're at almost 9 million downloads. And what's cool about that is not like, ooh, the shiny accolades that people can be like, oh, but it it feels like such a beautiful platform. And I feel so grateful to have found something that I love so much that I don't even question if I want to be consistent with it because it just, it just feels outlined, you know? Wow. I listen to you and I just think to myself, like you have so much energy and business sometimes requires a lot of energy. Is there anything that you're doing to help your energy and support you? Or do you feel like you just kind of came out of the womb, like ready to party? (laughs) (laughs) I think twofold. I came out of the womb ready to party for sure. And I was like the girl that like took off all my clothes and like ran in the streets naked when I was little. (laughs) Um, So I've always been like that. And I'm a very extroverted person, but I'm also extremely intentional about the environment that I curate. So I pay so much attention to how I feel when I leave people 
as well as when I'm with them, right? So like, you know, those people that you're around where like, they just feel like they suck your energy out. Those people, I intentionally do not create space or time for those people. Mm. Phone calls, Zoom calls, in person, definitely not. Um, so I'm really intentional about the people that I'm around that I can energetically feel that I'm getting like lit up by being around them. And also I create space and I've done this even back when I was in the corporate world and I had a much stricter schedule where I was building a business part-time before and after work. And it felt like kind of a shit show back then. I still created this space where like I could charge myself up. So it was always doing like morning workouts and getting my body moving. And then my husband and I always have done nighttime walks like for years and years, but like recapping our day and just kind of like bookending my days with things that fill me up. And, you know, I remember a season in life and maybe some people listening in can connect with this where I started listening to all of these people that were super successful in business that had these crazy morning routines. Yeah. It was like, journal and then cold shower and then do this and then all this stuff. And I was like, ah, uh. and I remember one day I tried to do all those things and I was like, I literally can't. Um, so I'm really big on like keeping things super simple because I also think that there's a lot that comes from energetically when you give yourself these tiny little dopamine hits where you get to build confidence, you keep promises to yourself by doing the little thing that you said that you're going to do, even after the feeling that you said yep. it in is gone that, and we don't give ourselves enough layups yeah. to give ourselves confidence and dopamine hits, which in turn turns into energy boost. And I'm really big on that throughout my entire day. Wow. It's like the little wins add up so much and keeping those promises to yourself. I don't think people realize when you break promises to yourself, like if you say you're going to start going to the gym or whatever the hard thing is that isn't because, you know, I just gave myself that promise. Yeah. When you break that promise, you hurt your self-esteem. And it's like, we don't even realize that we're doing that. Yeah. Um, are there any mm-hmm. moments that you've experienced um, outside of the podcast, but just in general in business where you felt like, well, this was a huge failure and how did you not let it hit on your self-esteem? Because I think people make it yes. mean something about themselves versus just like, this is my trial and error and this is feedback and on to the next, which it, it can be that simple. Well, I think about it a lot where I didn't go to school to be an entrepreneur. Like I worked as a recruiter. I worked in IT project management. That was my background. And then I kind of moved into this space. So I've been very like compassionate with myself about the fact that I'm learning as I go. And I'm not trying to pretend like I have it all figured out. I want to be a lifelong learner anyways. So when things go wrong, I let myself feel the emotions because I also think that being a human involves the contrast of the highs and the contrasting lows. And we can't like brush over those things where when things don't go the way that I wanted, like specifically what came up to mind was a program that I launched. And I, I really knew intuitively that I probably shouldn't have launched it, but I was listening to the feedback of a lot of people that wanted me to launch this particular program in my community. I was like, you know what? I could do that. I could make that work, but like half-ass energy into something, you can feel it. The people in your community could feel it. And right after I launched it, like I immediately knew and was like, okay, how can I make this better? And how can I make sure that they still, you know, get good value from this? And what does that look like? But I think really it's asking yourself, like when you're in those seasons of something going really wrong, it's asking yourself, like, what did I learn from this that I could not have possibly learned had I not gone through this experience? What are the skills and the takeaways that are now going to serve me to be a better human being, leader, entrepreneur, sister, wife, whatever role that you're playing to. And when I can connect those dots, it makes it feel more meaningful. And then also being someone who has a personal brand and has a large podcast community, 
I also have found it to be so much more valuable for me from a contribution perspective and like a fulfillment perspective when I can pull something teachable out of it where then I can share that with other people, right? Where like, okay, this didn't go well. And it's because I didn't listen to my own intuition. I let these sneaky little people pleasing tendencies of wanting to do that thing for other people to not let somebody else down. I let that drive my decision-making. And whenever I do that, it doesn't work. And when I listen to myself and I think about this relationship with me now and a future version of me and is what I'm doing now, getting me closer to where I want to be in a year from now or further from it, and I make decisions from that place, it mm-hmm. always feels like it works out better, you know? My friend Andrea Crowder has been supporting this concept of rapid resolution therapy. The guy who created it lives in uh, West Palm Beach. And just the other day, she was telling me she sees life through three buckets. And it really reminds me of what you're saying. It's glad to do it, glad to have done it, glad thinking about doing it. And so those three buckets, she really looks at like, does it make me happy when I think about me doing this? Like, do I, does it bring a positive response? Am I happy to be doing it? And am I glad to have done it? She says there's some things where the glad to have done it bucket is a 10 out of 10. And the other two things are maybe a little bit lower, but the glad to have done it is big enough to pull you through. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at your podcast, uh, what was it that you think was a tipping point for you? Because I feel like for me in my career, there's moments where I'm like, whoa, that thing was a tipping point. And now all these things are happening because of it. Um, What moment in your past or what did you do in the business or in the podcast do you think to create that tipping point? I think the biggest thing that's been helpful for me from a community building perspective is creating something where people want to grab onto it and organically want to share it. Where it's like, even the premise of like, here, we're all about X, or we believe X, Y, Z, or this is the podcast for you. If da, da, da. It's not about women that do blah, 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 like something that people can get behind where then I'm saying it and regurgitating it over and over and over again. You know, on this podcast, we're all about X right? and people could grab onto that. And then it's almost like I'm teaching them how to explain it to their girlfriends. And what a lot of people miss from my perspective is they forget that someone listening into a podcast or reading your blog or reading your social media posts, it's like, if you tell them to do multiple things, like in a call to action, they're not going to do anything because it just feels so overwhelming. Like send this podcast to a girlfriend and leave a review and share it on social media and text it to your grandma. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do anything. You just told me to do five things and now I'm already confused. So I was really unapologetic about sharing a specific call to action and the why behind it. So for example, Hey, it would mean so much to me if you would share this on social media and tag me because I want other girlfriends of yours to listen into the show. And also because I picture us like we're friends chatting, but I'm recording this episode by myself. So I'd also love to know who's listening in and personally, thank you. So it's like, what's your call to action and what's the why behind it? And then what's the idea that people can grab onto that makes your show or your content or your business or whatever different from other people Mm. that it feels more community-based. So it's less look at me and it's more come with me. Yeah. And, and I think that was when, like when I really mastered that part and I started to be really unapologetic about the behind the scenes, messy, like Mm. the co-creation, like everything in my business up to this point. I have created with my community. So I'll come to them like, hey, I have an idea. Would you be interested in something like this? I'm thinking about doing it this or this way. And any way that I could ask for feedback, whether it's through text or email or on social or on the podcast itself, 
for women to contribute when they feel like they're part of something and they're co-creating it with you. They're so much more likely to buy from you, but they're also so much more likely to share something because they really do feel like the, the positioning is like your girlfriend's. And it took a couple of months to kind of get that footing. But then honestly, it really started to take off because of that. So still to this point, we haven't spent a dollar on advertising with the show. It's just organically grown to that level, which I'm really proud of because it also, it really does feel aligned because back back to where we were talking about the beginning. So often when we're starting something new, we get caught up in the distance between where we are now and where we want to go, right? Like we got that huge space. And then we label that something that doesn't serve us like overwhelming or daunting. Or we're like, oh, she must have something that I don't. Or you're comparing your behind the scenes to somebody else's carefully curated content on Instagram. You're thinking that they have something like some secret sauce, but it's like, oh, no, no, no. They're just taking that space and they're recognizing that that's their qualification period. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting, Ashley, because I was on a podcast a couple of days ago and the woman asked me, she was like, if all of your big dreams could come true right now, what would you want? And I said, number one, I wouldn't want them to all come true right now because I'm not the person that can maintain it yet. And I'm very aware of that where I think that the journey, like you often hear people say like, fall in love with the journey. And it sounds so fluffy, but to me, I'm like, the journey is what teaches you how to build up the coping mechanisms, the resistance you need to fall down so you can get back up and build that grit and resourcefulness and confidence because that's going to serve you at that next level. And whatever the goal is, And if you don't have that time to learn those skills, build those habits, build that community, you can't actually maintain the goal. Yeah. And using even the fitness example, right? You could have a fitness goal and I want to be able to, I don't know, whatever you want to do, run X, Y, Z amount of miles or have a certain body. And it's like, if you got that poof magic genie overnight, you literally wouldn't be able to maintain it because you don't know how you got it. So you don't know the habits that build up for you to actually sustain it. And that mindset has helped me with something like podcasting. That's such a long game yeah. where it's not this like instant gratification, Amazon prime culture that we live in where like you could post something on social media and it goes viral with podcasting. It's like you're building community and it's slow and steady, but I actually really like that Yeah, because it's made me more confident that me four years ago, starting the show, I couldn't have handled the amount of feedback that I get good or bad. Because now it's like, I know I don't get too high on the highs and I don't get too low on the lows because I'm confident enough in myself. But a prior version of me, like if we're just being really honest about it, like there's no way I would have been able to handle that amount of feedback that comes in now then. So I'm glad it took as long as it did to get where I am now. I love what you're sharing so much about the slow burn. And I kind of had to learn exactly what you're saying the hard way. It's so interesting because sometimes I read books, I listen to podcasts and Sometimes it can it can sound simple what somebody's saying, like you saying, here's my call to action, um, yeah. and it makes it easy for people to share it. It sounds like, oh, yeah, you, you just say, pass this along, but it's powerful, yeah. and we underestimate the power of simplicity. I think it's so yes. easy to be complicated in this world, to make complex mm-hmm. marketing funnels and do all these things for your business, your career, but I think it's the simplicity that really mm-hmm. makes us masterful, the simplicity. Also, you know, I am a exact example of what you're sharing. I made $5 million on my first course after years of debt. And in two months, I lost it all yeah. and had to start over and pay off tons of debt and now start investing in real estate and all these things that we both love talking about, which yes. I'm almost tempted to ask you about too. 
Also, one juicy tip to grow your podcast. Um, okay, so you obviously do your call to action and that really helps it grow. You haven't spent any money on marketing. I have a couple ideas for people and I'm really excited to share one of them with you because I feel like maybe you haven't done this one. Um, yeah. But is there something you've done that has actually provided really exciting results for just giving your podcast a little boost amongst the slow burn? So I'm really big on like moving from rented and owned platforms, right? So picking like whatever, for me, I like Instagram. I have a text list. I have an email list. I have a podcast. And that's really kind of where I focus on. And I'm big on taking people and moving them to different sections. And this is applicable with any type of content where it's like, for example, if they're listening into the show and I'm like, Hey, if you love this episode, text this word to this number, and you're going to get my free inspo texts that come out every week. Right. Yeah. And so then I get them in that platform. And then it's when they're on the text messaging platform, I'm like, Hey, if you're interested in X, Y, Z, click this link and you can join my email list, right. You can be in our Facebook community. So I'm basically like moving people through all these different ways that we can connect in a more intimate way. Cause right. I've been really trying to figure out how do I scale intimacy as the podcast grows drastically? How do I get to have this connection? Because the positioning is like, we're girlfriends. So how can I do that? Well, I found text messaging to be really powerful for my community, but also just giving them the opportunity of like, I can meet them where they're at. Some people are part of everything, every single way to connect in like a group setting with me, they go to the events, they want to buy the courses, they want to do the retreats, all this stuff. And some people it's like, they just all a cart pick things. And you know, what's so interesting, Ashley, is I have made hundreds of thousands of dollars helping women in the podcasting space, but yet I've never done a podcast about podcasting. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of people forget that is like, they, they have this idea, right? Maybe they want to start a, a business about X, Y, Z. They're like, now I have to niche so specifically my podcast to this topic. And that has a time and place and a lot of yeah. value, but like, there is also power in having a broad net and then having different silos where you and I love real estate. Yeah. It's like, there's a silo of my community that loves real estate too. There's mm-hmm. a silo of them that are new moms or like expecting moms like me. There's a silo that are podcasters. There are some that are like any live event you do, Cash, like I'm there. Yeah. There's a silo that will never buy one thing ever. There's a silo that just buy from sponsors that are on the show. And like, when you think about it in this expansive way, it doesn't feel like you're shoving yourself into a box, but instead you're just like, I can speak to all of these things because I'm a multifaceted person. Yeah. And I think that's really important, you know, for people yeah. to talk about. Love- people up. Yeah. It's so fun to listen to you talk about this because you're in, you're in so many results that you've created. And one of the things that I've done was the first 5,000 listeners on my podcast, that was the most exciting because I'm like, something's here. People are tuning yes. in. You know, and and we under we we kind of undersell ourselves to ourselves, right? Like, if two hundred people are listening to your podcast, that's an auditorium, like that's a that's yes. a ballroom of people. And so, really celebrating those wins and sharing with your network, whether that's emailing a warm letter to everybody that you've ever met, saying, "Hey, big news! I'm starting a podcast. Here's the first episode. It's my favorite one so far." Um, whatever it is. Yes. Start getting your listeners up forward this to someone if they're this, this or that. This is not for mm-hmm. them if they're this, this or that. Being really specific, being really um, in ownership of what you do. But once you get that kind of across the, I hate to say the word hump, but it's across the hump. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you're like first group, one thing that has been so powerful for me is realizing how many women are just like us, Cage, where they want to connect and they mm-hmm. want to support. So um, I looked for women who had a similar size show to me. And obviously there's nowhere that we can find exactly what our size is. But I was looking at reviews and just kind of seeing like, how many reviews do they have? Do they post any marketing documents? 
people that I deeply resonated with. And those of you listening to the show, you've seen me do this. I'll spotlight their show. And it's so fun. Mm. So instead of just interviewing somebody like you, Keisha, on my show, which you're, we're welcome to do this, this would be fun. I'll do an introduction being like, this is my friend Keisha, and this is why you need to listen to Empower Her podcast. And instead of me interviewing her today, I asked her for her favorite episode on her show, and I'm just going to air it right here on my feed. And it goes- I love that. I've never done that. I love that. It's so powerful, and it's such a direct way to support each other, and you can do this at every level. And what's been so cool for me growing my show with this, because I've done it with like five or 10 friends, is that- a, it really does create a boost. Like you're exposing each other's listeners more directly to each other's show. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, it's just doing good. Like we can't all serve everyone. There's no scarcity. Right. And I think third, you can do this at every level and in different ways. So I started to find that there were shows that were much bigger than mine that still mm-hmm. wanted to do a feed swap with me. Yeah. Because I love them. They love me. And we could just get behind each other. And it was that sure. simple. And so it was really exciting for me. And then I also did emails to my list. And it doesn't matter if you have 100 people on your email list or 10, just the the act of support and cross-collaboration with somebody who's similar in similar shoes to you. Um, Yeah. People and saying, hey, I did a spotlight on Keisha this week and here's her show. So as you all are listening, you're probably saying, hey, I've seen Ashley do this. And you've probably discovered some really good shows because of it. Well, and the average person listens to six to seven shows a week, like a podcast listener. And so it's like we, and you know, you and I have talked about this where as the show and the community's grown for people that are really in this because they deeply care about their community, like you and I, it's like, I actually do feel a responsibility to expose and connect women in my community with people that don't necessarily think the exact same way as me or don't articulate things the same way as me because I want them to see themselves in other people, right? It's hard to be what you can't see. And I think every single person is a testimony of what's possible for someone else, right? So the woman listening into this, you're going through a hard season in your relationship or in your health, or you're building that business or you're switching career paths after you've been doing something for 20 years or whatever it is. It's like somebody needs to see you go through that so they can watch you borrow belief that if she can figure this out, so can I. And we need to see a lot of different stories and a lot of different backgrounds. Like I didn't come from a background of counterterrorism, Ashley, but it's like there are people listening in that came from backgrounds that are completely different than what they're doing now. They're like, oh, I can connect with that piece. Or right now I'm, I'm at the time that we're recording this episode, I'm 19 weeks pregnant. And it's like super passionate about that and building a business while being pregnant and moving into motherhood. And it's like, there are some people that are in that stage of life that are like, Ooh, I need that example right now in my life. And I love the way that you talk about collaboration. Cause I'm, I'm just so on board with you about it. You know, it's so yeah. important. It feels like, it feels like a no brainer. And I think some people have kind of like sticky finger energy towards their business where they're like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Uh-huh. For me, I'm like, what's the point of all of this? It like, yeah, we're making an impact. We want to share, but what is the point if we don't help each other out? Like we're all working so hard. Okay. So one thing you pointed out, I think is really important and it's yes, you should trust your intuition, trust your mind, but don't trust your mind when you're not having clean thoughts. Um, yes. You talked about borrowing confidence from someone else, borrowing beliefs from someone else. I have a really good friend who um, I think she she won like Miss New York, Miss USA, and she was having a really big moment of self-doubt. And I remember sitting her down and saying, look, I would never tell you to not trust yourself because it feels counter to like everything I've learned in my life. Mm-hmm. But if you could just like not trust yourself and what your mind is telling you just for today and borrow what I'm thinking, just yeah. 
trust that I know you and what you're capable of and just trust my words more than yours today. I feel like you might do a little better. And it was so um, special to have somebody trust me with that. So I think that's also a really cool way to be a good friend to other people and also be a good friend to yourself when you notice that their mind is not clean. Um, okay. Well, I lo- well, it's also interesting though too, Ashley, because I think about right now to the woman listening into this, if right now you are saying such crappy things about yourself, picture like you're on the freeway and you're driving your car in reverse. So you're driving full speed backwards. You're definitely not going to get where you want to go because of those crappy thoughts that just aren't serving you. But sometimes I feel like there's this pressure with like the affirmation world and like think positive thoughts and this like kind of fluffy personal development space that's not very tactical where it's saying to go from thinking I suck as a human or I suck at building a business or I feel X, Y, Z about myself to I'm amazing. I can do anything X, Y, Z. And I think there's a lot of power of like popping it into neutral first of like, I'm learning this, I'm growing, I'm getting better at this. I'm proud of myself that I've got skin in the game. I'm having real conversations, like finding whatever, like that negative thought is and just finding the more neutral thought of it. Because then it's like, you're not putting these pressures on yourself of like, I need to be a positive thinker in every single aspect of my life, but you're moving in the right direction. And as humans, we love progress, we love growth. So it's like, how can you give yourself that little bump in the right way where you're not cruising backwards on the freeway. Exactly. (laughs) I love the question too. Like if you think about a goal, it's like, let's say your goal is to make your first thousand dollars in your business, which I want to ask you some tips to getting started in a business. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of side hustlers here. Yeah. Um, And I see you as so competent with that. Um, I love the question. What can I do from where I am now with what I have Mm -hmm. now to get closer to this goal? And Mm -hmm. I would say anybody listening, it's like, whatever your goal is, maybe it's starting a business write down everything you could do to get closer to actualizing that business. And I think from a manifestation inspiration standpoint, it's like, look at that big list. Don't stop your energy from writing and star the things that actually feel expansive, you know, because sometimes we just think we have to do shitty things to get successful. And it's such a bummer. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, we then create the story because we're wired in these like thought patterns that want to keep us in the familiar that we create the story that when we've starred these things and we look at that list, we're scared to take action because we're humans, not robots. Of course, you're scared to do something new for the first time because you're probably going to suck at the beginning like we all do. And it's not fun to suck at something when you first start, but it's part of the process. So it's like looking at those star things and saying, what can I do in the next 24 hours to move the needle forward? For example, you want to run a marathon. Most people listening in, myself included, can't run a marathon tomorrow, but I definitely could sign up for one. And that makes me feel like I'm getting closer to that goal. And I think like we don't, again, it's like what you and I have talked about this, where the simplicity gets over like road by this huge list that we create for us to then take action. And then we never take action because we've catastrophized and made it this big thing. And I'm like, do one tiny thing and see how freaking good you feel. Yeah. One thing at a time, my friends. Okay. So speaking of, I feel like there's some low hanging fruit ways to really start building a business If you Mm -hmm. lost everything today, everything you had, your community, and you had to start over, what are a few of the first things you would do if nobody knew you and you were just at square one? I would think, what is a problem that I'm excited to solve and who I'm excited to solve it for? And I would specifically think of that person, not from just like a characteristic perspective, but more like a stage of life and a feeling that they're feeling that it doesn't serve them. So for example, I think of who I was back when I was working in the corporate world and I had this like feeling that I was really stuck 
where I looked around and on paper, my life made sense, but I knew that I wanted more. And I don't mean that being an entrepreneur is more than working in the corporate world. I don't believe that to be true at all. But I do believe that all of us have different alignment paths. And I just really felt like I was on the wrong one, but I didn't know what to do. And I sat in that for a second. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do. I'm like, well, let me just start something detached from the outcome. So to anyone listening in, I would be thinking like, is there something that you've done for me? For example, part of when I started my own business outside of this business that I had previously, I was like, I've launched a podcast and there's a lot of women that want to launch a podcast. I could solve the problem of them launching it but also doing it in a way that feels a really aligned for me, which is I'm very community-based. I love women coming together and you and I have this commonality, but I love it so much that I was like, I want to curate spaces for women. So like the first thing that I did in my business was I was like a problem that my community has. Well, they're asking me about podcasting. So, okay, I've, I've done a podcast. I'm sure I could figure out how to break down how to do this. So I launched this course that took people from idea to launching their show in four weeks. We did it in cohorts with 25 women. I ended up doing that for years every single month, but it was so simple because it was like, let me come up with the idea and then let me launch it like immediately. But I also did that process of like co-creating. So whether you have an audience on social media or any sort of platform, or even you just have a close community of friends that you would be most excited to serve, take the idea that you have and start to do some market research by asking for feedback of like, what's the most annoying part about this? Or what's the part that you feel stuck in? Like asking very specific questions to curate then what is the solution that I have for someone else's problem? And that's where I would start. And for me, I really did do that when I started helping women in the podcasting space. It was just the simple problem. They don't know how to launch, but that's what they thought their problem was. The real problem was they didn't feel like they had the community around them to give them the support to do the thing that was scary and put themselves out there. And I was like, well, I can create that. Yeah. And then it turned into things I had no idea were coming next, you know? Yeah. Well, it's simple, but it's powerful. And I love what you're saying because the reminder for everybody listening is you want to take the exact words you're hearing of people's struggles, you know, like- I remember when I started my career coaching business, people were like, I don't know how to get my resume to stand out in the pile. All of my copy for a long time was get your resume to stand out in the pile. Like meet listeners, meet your audience, meet your services. Also, I think offering yourself up complimentary if you can in your service-based business in exchange for authentic testimonials can be Mm -hmm. so huge, like the value of testimonials. Um, As far as marketing and monetizing goes, is there something that you feel like is really fun for people to consider. Like I think Yelp is like the lowest hanging fruit. Like if you can Mm. get like 20 reviews on Yelp, you're going to guarantee that buyers are going to be emailing you or calling you every month. Yeah. Um, I think that's just low hanging fruit, but do you have any low hanging fruit ideas where you're like, this really engages people to want to pay you? Well, also, I mean, it's like when you get your first like round of something that you're doing, or you get your first couple of buyers, like going above and beyond to make sure that they have the best experience and then unapologetically asking for anyone that they know the referral method, like people underutilize this where it's like, if this person had a great experience with you explaining like very transparently, like I'm just getting this started. You had such a great experience. Like it would mean the world to me if you had any other like connections of people that you think could also use this service. And that's how I filled. So I took the first course raving testimonials, 25 women. That's where it started. And then all of them, I asked them like, do you have anyone that you know in your circle that also wants to start a podcast? Or would you be willing to like share about this whatsoever? Because I think that 
this mission of helping women at the time that I was doing this course, only 20% of podcasters were women. And I was like, this is a problem. And I know that you care about this problem. So it was almost like looping them in on the vision and then unapologetically saying, but like, I don't know what I'm doing yet and not making that a thing, like not making that mean I'm not capable, but I don't know how to grow this yet. So if you told your girlfriends about this or you shared about this, that would be so helpful for me. Every single one of them did it. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, I had a great experience with you. And that filled the next 25 and then organically, doom, 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 25 every single month for three years. And I think it's just like we, for whatever reason, we tell ourselves the story that we don't want to be quote unquote bothering someone, or we don't want to quote unquote, you know, like be the person that's asking for help, or we are socialized in our culture to believe that we're supposed to be doing all the things. Like I hate the concept of like wonder woman and like, I can do it all or super mom. I'm like, (laughs) if our kids like need like cookies for school, I'm probably going to buy the cookies. Like I have no (laughs) problem with that. Right. And I think it's like that pressure is so unnecessary because truly a lot of people get so much fulfillment and joy. You and I included, and I'm sure a lot of people listening in from truly getting to help someone else, but you have to ask and people have to know the direction of where you're headed. Otherwise they cannot support you. And then you can't get frustrated that you feel like people aren't supporting you when you're not telling them what support looks like. And we got to take ownership. We got to be the people that support others. Obviously, if we want that reciprocated to us, but we also have to be more confident in our stance of like, if what, if you're excited about your product, program, service, offer, event, whatever, that you're offering to the world, it's your responsibility to tell other people about it because it can serve them. So if that means you got to ask the people that already had great experiences with you, then that's what you need to do. And I I just think we underutilize that. And that's one of the most powerful ways that I've built, you know, all the things that I built online. Mm, This is so good. I feel like um, it's so refreshing to hear about organic marketing and really leaning with that in your mindset. So I would just encourage anybody who's listening, like whatever you want to offer, or maybe you're clarifying what that is, like what, what are some ways that you would organically market it? She's talking about referrals. You're talking about just like working with friends, asking them questions. Um, I even at one point asked people to post on Facebook about me and tell people to message them if they need that sort of help. So um, I don't think there's any shame. And actually fun fact, after my first TED talk, I changed my outfit, which was a big mistake because nobody recognized that I was the speaker because I had a new outfit (laughs) on. And I walked around the stadium handing out flyers and filled my first coaching group. So it was pretty shameless. You don't have to go that far. But But also that's, but when you have something, but don't you think there is this element? And I just want to be kind of bold about this, where there is this element that if you, you truly do believe that what you have can serve people. It is absolutely your responsibility to do what you need to do to get it out there because it's not just about you. It's about all the people that you can impact from this thing that you've created that are not going to even know about you. And you're doing this in a way that is really aligned and you're really excited and you're really passionate and you truly do care. Like you got to get yourself out there and people want to support you, but it's also taking radical responsibility that it's your job to go get that exposure or go build those connections, you know? Definitely. And I think everybody has a monetizable skill and they don't give themselves credit for that. It's like if whatever language you speak, you can start offering lessons on Fiverr, on Upwork, on Craigslist. Like if you're good at tutoring and or if you love, um, I don't know, it's like you can always think about having people under you, whether it's um, dog yeah. sitting. Like maybe your vision is to have 10 dog sitters that eventually are under you because you have so much business coming in. Um, but yeah. I think, you know, sometimes people think they need to solve these high level problems when really maybe they want to just be a business owner 
And it's like really starting to get to know what that would look like and not put the pressure for that vision to be all you, you expanding, you growing, but actually delegating and letting it be easier. And like, I just don't think that this vision for anyone listening and whatever that vision is, if it is moving to a new city or it is starting a business or it is changing career paths or starting a nonprofit, insert whatever it is. I just don't think that you're gifted that vision unless you're also gifted the resourcefulness to figure out any how along the way. Like, I don't believe that you necessarily have all the skills that you need because you need that space to kind of learn and develop those coping mechanisms and everything you need. But like, if you just trusted and you have this core belief that I have to my soul, literally in my bones is like, there is no way that I have this idea if I can't also execute on it. Like, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but that's also why I'm going to be proud because when we think about it, like often we want this easy path. We say that we want that, but like the reason why we set goals is not just to accomplish the goal, but it's the feeling that we think that we're going to have from accomplishing that goal. Yes. And main feelings that we want is pride, like that deep fulfillment of knowing that you worked hard and you earned it. So if you're in a season of resistance right now, it's like, oh gosh, girl, a future version of you is going to look back on you now and be like, damn, like I could have given up, but I didn't. And that's why it's going to feel so fulfilling. If you didn't have any resistance, that would be robbing you of pride. Yeah. I want to quickly for everybody, because one of the most empowered things that Keisha and I were talking about was real estate investing. So I know this is a huge topic, so we don't need to go crazy on it, but I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about the mindset of getting started with real estate investing? Because one of the most powerful things I learned, and this is for those of you who think you can never buy a house, is you don't need to put 20% down. You could right. get a lease with 5% down. So if you're looking mm-hmm. to buy a house for 300K and I'm horrible at math, I have no idea what like 5%, <laughs> maybe that's $7,500 down. Yeah. Your closing costs could be around 10 or 12K. So you're looking at around $25,000 saved for you to put down a payment on a house. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the most powerful things I learned. I don't know why I always thought you have to put 20% down ages ago. So did I. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like you can just get into the game. Obviously, there's cash flow and other numbers. But can you share a little bit about just getting into real estate investing and um, how that's changed your life or maybe somewhere that people could get started to look into it? For sure. So I you know, asked myself this question is what am I doing now? Is it getting me closer to where I want to be or further from it a year from now? So at the time that I started thinking about this was when my husband and I were like, oh, we want to start a family in the next year or so. And a lot of what I do to earn income in my business, while I'm so grateful for it, it requires my face or my voice or my time and energy. So it really is, you know, it's a business, but it still is essentially exchanging myself for money, but it's a high cash flow business. And that's beautiful for some of you listening and you have a cash flowing, you know, like you have a W2 job that's earning income. And I was like, how could I make this income make more money for me that didn't require me or my likeness or any anything with my personal brand? Like, how can I do something completely separate? Which is where the real estate conversation started happening with my husband and I, is we decided we wanted to figure out like a specific niche that we wanted to serve. So what we've done is we've built up a portfolio here in Denver, where I live, where we have bachelorette party houses, and they're also like geared towards women hosting retreats. And we figured out like the niche that we wanted to serve. And then we started creating properties for them that are very high cash flow. But also you've got the idea of like holding onto a property over time, whether it's Airbnb or it's even like a long-term rental, which we have a long-term rental too. It's this idea of like, it's a forced savings account for you, but it also like naturally, obviously we can't say with 100% certainty, but over time, 
you know, it's always going to increase in the amount of value that the house actually has. If you can hold on to it, you put renters in it and they can pay the mortgage. But also it's this really interesting thing that you and I haven't even talked about this aspect of it, Ashley, but I've been thinking a lot about AI and how there are a lot of jobs that are going to be affected by AI. But here's the thing. Physical people are always going to need physical places to live and also to vacation to or whatever it is. And so I think there's a lot of value in asking yourself, like, is there another way that I can diversify income? Yeah. Because this, the whole idea for my husband started when he was practicing as a dentist and we lived in California, when COVID happened, they changed the regulations for dentists. So he could only do emergency procedures. So he went from working five days a week, getting paid to only working one day a week on just emergency procedures. If our sole income was completely reliant on him, we would have been completely screwed. Literally wouldn't have been able to pay our bills because we didn't have enough other streams of income that were coming into our life that weren't dependent on us actually working to make that happen. Right. Right. And so that was a big wake up call for him of like, what is stability? And I've really felt like, like real estate in general and investing in real estate, whether that is someone who is listening into this right now, that you have the opportunity to buy a duplex and live in half of it. And you have renters that can cover almost all of your mortgage. So you're living for free. You're getting that appreciation over time, even if it's not cash flowing, as in you're not making more money than the actual mortgages. It's still contributing to this future version of you that 10, 20 years on the road, you're going to thank yourself because it is this forced savings account. And then for those of you that are really go-getters about it, like my husband and I are with real estate investing, like you are, Ashley, is like buying these like income producing assets that don't require you to actually manage them is a beautiful gift. And I wish I could just like wake everyone up for anyone right now that is like, any type of income that you're earning, how can you make that income work for you in another way that doesn't require you? Because what job is stable? And I don't say that to like create this like sense of urgency and fear in people, but truly like what is stability? I think it's multiple streams of income. I love this so much. I actually won't buy a house that doesn't have a guest house. So instead of buying a duplex, which, um, and those of you who are maybe in California or New York states where real estate feels really expensive, you just have to remember there's other places like in Miami right now, downtown by Brickle is coming up and there's Mm -hmm. still a come up. And if you can do your research, if you can work with a good realtor, um, and you can really do your savings, you can get started and, But I think getting in touch with your future self to help you regulate your nervous system now and to start creating financial security is a separate conversation from starting a business. I think both of these are really powerful things to be thinking about. Um, Keisha and I just talked on her podcast about personal branding, which I think supports all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I love you. And I just love getting to connect with you. And I feel like we could jam for like hours. Oh, my God. I feel like I could just like sit next to you for a very (laughs) long period of time. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world 
and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.